Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is Melissa Grant from the organization Carafam. Now, Melissa is founder and CEO of the organization, which specializes in the abortion pill and abortion procedures for early term pregnancies. We are going to put the record straight somewhat on everything abortion related, answer those questions about the ban on abortion in certain states, And we're going to look also at the solution of even if you have a ban in your state, how you are able to get a safe abortion. Welcome to the show, Melissa Grant. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you, Melissa, because, you know, we're in a little bit, we're having a little bit of a state of affairs right now, aren't we? We sure are. And we're going to be talking all about access to safe abortion and you're the expert. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I wish it was under better circumstances than we have right now. But let's start by a quick introduction of you and the organization that you represent. Tell us all about Carafem. Well, my name is Melissa Grant, and I founded a new organization to provide women's health care in the U.S. in the year 2013, Carafem. Carafem is a network now of women's health centers. We provide abortion care, birth control, sexually transmitted infection testing and treatment in four states across the U.S. And in 16 states, we provide abortion care through telehealth, which means people can get medication abortion and have it mailed to their home. Now, why did you start this organization? There were a couple of reasons. One, personally, I've been involved in providing women's health care for the majority of my career. It's been over 32 years now. And it's been close to my heart that people should be able to receive complete access, accurate information, evidence-based healthcare in the way that they prefer it to be provided in the communities where they live. Mm -hmm. But in 2013, I was approached by another organization who provided care primarily overseas who wanted to see if there was a way to decrease some of the waiting time, to increase some of the efficiencies and to provide lower cost care more personalized to women in the U.S. And so we opened our first health center and named it Care of Them in 2013 to allow for those things to happen. It's been very, very important, as we found, when we were really looking at where we wanted to locate, we were looking at states where access was already decreased significantly in our country. So offering care in the Washington, D.C. metro area, Atlanta, Georgia area, Chicago, uh, Illinois area, and Nashville, Tennessee area, all were started because the states around each of those climates were already very difficult to receive abortion care. Mm -hmm. And since the recent political changes, as you know, that's become even more difficult. So let's talk about those political changes for a second. Now, everyone hears about Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade. Can you just put the record straight and tell us simply what this legislation means? Well, first, the actual case Roe v. Wade was a a landmark case that happened in 1973. And what it did was to provide the opportunity for the states to make abortion illegal all across the U.S. We did have some abortion care in the U.S. that was legal before 1973, but it was on a state-by-state basis. So when Roe was passed, it offered the opportunity for every state to offer women the option to receive abortion care within their own communities. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, since that time, 
it was imagined that while every community could have an abortion provider, it never really happened. Many states actually found it very difficult due to the political climate within their state to provide care. So certain areas of our country were really underserved. Mm -hmm. That came to a head this past year. Another landmark case, unfortunately, which is a case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Center that was based in Mississippi, made it to the Supreme Court this year. And what happened, unfortunately, set the clock back 50 years. At that point, that case has made it so that states now can legally ban abortion should they so choose. And at this point, 13 states have completely eliminated the right for a person to have an abortion within their state. And the results have been devastating. Mm -hmm. Now, is there any way to turn this around now? Or like, what are we looking at politically here? Well, CARIFM is not a political organization, but I will share what I know based on my expertise and certainly how we've been impacted already. And that's that the American public, by and large, actually supports the option to have an abortion. And we've seen now that some states who've threatened to ban abortion have actually brought it to their communities. And people have overwhelmingly voted to continue to make safe abortion legal where they live. And so the hope is that as more and more communities actually get to have the people vote versus politicians uh, make the decision Mm -hmm. on their own, that yes, this could come back. Mm -hmm. The other option, of course, would be for the U.S. to decide that they wanted to pass unequivocal rights to abortion care at the federal level. And the hope is that eventually that could happen as well. Mm -hmm. But right now we're stuck with Mm -hmm. this situation where states get to make that decision And Mm -hmm. some states have clearly drawn the line that no abortion will be accessible within Mm -hmm. their communities at this Mm -hmm. time. So we are looking realistically at a couple of years, I think, of of advocacy to make that happen. And of course, in the meantime, that leaves us with hundreds, thousands of women who want access to a safe abortion. Now, before we get into that, Can you just tell us clearly what an abortion is and how it works on your body? You decide you want an abortion. What happens, basically? You go into a clinic and... Well, there's a few different ways to have an abortion. First, let's be clear what the definition means. An abortion means stopping a pregnancy before delivery. So aborting a pregnancy is aborting the period that you carry a pregnancy before it comes to term. In the United States, the vast majority of people find out that they're pregnant, and if they decide to have an abortion, they have it within approximately the first 12 weeks of being pregnant. So that's the majority of abortions in this country. And what would generally happen if you're in a state where abortion is not illegal, you could contact either your physician or oftentimes a private clinic that provides abortion care, as many times in the U.S., private physicians don't offer this care, and it's done by specialized clinic structures. Mm -hmm. So many women would search, or to be inclusive, pregnant people would search online to determine where the closest provider was. They would make a phone call or even make an appointment online with a clinic near them. Generally, within a few days, they would go in and they would be given oftentimes the option to either have what would be called a procedural abortion or to have an abortion with pills. A procedural abortion would involve speaking with uh, clinical staff about your medical history, potentially having some laboratory testing, and then actually having a very simple procedure where a physician would use a speculum similar to what you would have during your pap smear or pelvic exam, look inside the vagina, 
And using sterile instruments would then use gentle suction to empty the contents of the uterus and end the pregnancy there in the office. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes pain medication would be offered, antibiotics would be offered, and most of the time you'd be offered an option to choose a contraceptive method if you prefer before you leave. Mm -hmm. People can go home the same day and sometimes to resume normal activities. Mm -hmm. Some people even go back to work the same day. Other people choose to take a little time off. There is some mm-hmm. cramping and bleeding associated with it, but it's extraordinarily safe and for most people, fairly simple to mm-hmm. achieve, unless you're in a state where, again, it's illegal. Mm. So just not to be too graphic, but you know, I've sort of got the image of I've never had an abortion myself, and I believe I have had a miscarriage where you know there's a lot of blood and it's painful. Would you say that the discomfort of having an abortion is the same sort of discomfort that you feel when you're having a miscarriage? It's a great question, Kate. That's a great question. Let, let's talk about the other way of having an abortion and then compare the, the pain mm-hmm. as compared to delivery or a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. First off, there is another way of having an abortion, which would be taking pills. And many people, as a matter of fact, over half of the abortions in the U.S. actually now occur by taking pills. And it's a set of two medications for most people. You'd swallow one tablet, again, after speaking with a physician and making sure that the appropriate health history was checked for you, that this was safe. And by and large, almost everyone can use medication abortion. There are very few contraindications. But after taking the first tablet, it would work by blocking a hormone that your body needed to continue the pregnancy. So essentially, the lining of the uterus would start to break down, similar to the way that a miscarriage works. You would then use a second medication within two days afterwards that would stimulate cramping and bleeding so that your uterus would actually pass the pregnancy from your body. Again, very similar to a miscarriage. These medications actually do it a bit more efficiently than when you wait for your body to do it on its own. So Mm -hmm. it generally will happen for people within a period of hours, whereas a miscarriage can take several days to several weeks. We also can provide people with medications to help control pain. And sometimes the nausea that can be associated with pregnancy and even more so with these medications. So providing a patient with pain medication and medication to help with nausea makes the experience a little easier. But let's not sugarcoat it. When somebody is pregnant and goes from being in a pregnant state to a non-pregnant state, the cramping and bleeding that happens associated with the uterus passing pregnancy tissue hurts. So yes, Mm -hmm. it's manageable. We can help provide medication to make it easier. But there will be bleeding, there will be cramping. That doesn't mean that this process is any way dangerous to your body. It means we're working with that natural action of the uterus to allow that pregnancy to be expelled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you should choose to have a surgical abortion procedure or what we would call a procedural abortion, as I described a moment ago, a physician would be removing that contents of your uterus with gentle suction. So that takes generally no more than about five minutes. So it's Mm -hmm. much shorter. And some women will actually choose to use medications that can help them to relax and to significantly decrease pain. As a matter of fact, many people choose medications that help them to be so relaxed, they may not even remember the actual Mm. process itself. Mm -hmm. So in that case, there may be very little pain. Mm. If you choose to use a procedural abortion with no medication, maybe some ibuprofen, you'll have about five minutes of strong cramping, similar to cramps during a period. And then with medication abortion, there will be cramping and bleeding. It generally lasts for a period of hours. Generally, somewhere around an average of five to six hours is common for people. Mm-hmm. But again, it's shorter than if you were miscarrying and the body's process took its own time. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's helpful. 
Yeah, super helpful. And I want to just say that both of our organizations are completely bipartisan. You know, this is unfortunate that it is a political issue now, and the country is definitely divided on it. We, and I know I speak on behalf of you also, Melissa, we all just care about women's health and having access to the health products and services that they need to thrive. Talk to us about the dangers now, Melissa, with this ban on abortion. What are the ramifications facing girls and women living in America? Well, the opportunity to have an abortion is really a human rights issue. Ultimately, when a person faces an unintended pregnancy, there are many complex issues that can go into their decision about whether or not it's a good time to add to their family. The decision about when to have a child or whether to have a child is very, very personal and can be skewed by many, many different factors in life. Intersections that might impact that decision include how much money you make, whether or not you're insured, what is the situation with where you live, your partner, those who care about you, your own personal health, and other issues. So these are deeply complex and very private issues that people have to take internally to make a decision as to what's right for them. Mm-hmm. What's happened in our country now is that there have been extremist politicians who have decided that they can make that decision better than the person and their family that are experiencing the pregnancy itself. And we believe that's wrong. So what's happening are people around the country who live in a community where abortion is now illegal, they have not changed their circumstances Mm -hmm. in any way by suddenly the law no longer allowing them to be seen within their own community. The circumstances remain the same. And since we haven't addressed those, that's forcing those women to try to either choose to travel outside of their state Mm -hmm. or to potentially find medication that they buy on the internet or to continue to have a pregnancy that they don't feel ready to continue at home and to deal with all of those other issues we already spoke about. Mm. And to be clear, I want to be transparent that I'm using the word woman, but many times we are seeing people within our centers that identify as men or don't identify as any specific gender. They can become pregnant too. Mm. So when I say people, it's to be inclusive. And this Mm. is affecting people of various ages, genders, nationalities, religions, the time to have a pregnancy can be impacted no matter what your background, where you live. And so it's really changed across the U.S. the way that people and their families are making decisions about their futures. Mm -hmm. I will never forget the image of the last president. I believe there was a, a women's march in D.C. just as that president was put into power. And the legislation at the time, it's often referred to as the gag order, the Mexico City plan. And I remember, you know, us all obviously going down to march and protest and whatnot. The day after that march was a photograph of the president at the time signing that order with, I think, 13 men in gray suits standing behind him as that was being signed. Now, I I can't get that image out of my head. You know, as you say, 50 years ago, I believe, was when abortion was declared legal in the United States. And to see that image of a present, current president of the free world signing that gag order, right, which for our listeners, 
the gag order, the Mexico City plan, basically was an order that mostly affected international development, actually. And I have been involved in, in this issue myself for the last 20 years and raising money to fund programs around the world. So I'm thrilled now to have met Melissa and Cara Firm and the work that's going on in the United States because always been razor focused on international work. But basically, the reason it was called the gag order is no NGOs, no organizations around the world that were performing or promoting safe medical abortion around the world were even allowed to discuss getting an abortion, hence being called the gag order, which just, it just blows my mind that a bunch of dudes can basically tell us what we can do with our bodies, which is endangering hundreds of millions of women's lives across the world. So do you have any thoughts on that, Melissa? Because it makes my blood boil. Absolutely. One in four women in our country will have an abortion before the time they're 45. Mm -hmm. And as I said, this is not something that happens to someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. If you go out and start walking down the street and counting one, two, three, four, Mm -hmm. you'll get an idea Mm -hmm. of the number of people that abortion impacts. And that's because in the U.S. currently, 50% of pregnancies are unintended, and about half of those are ending in abortion again, because of the very complex issues in people's lives that determine whether or not they want to or feel ready to add to their family. A politician making this decision, particularly one who can't get pregnant, does hurt. It feels wrong. This is a decision that should be made by the person who's pregnant and with their family, not by someone sitting in a chair stroking a pen around what they believe is the correct ideology. It just doesn't ring true. Not to mention... Like, we know that some of those men have gotten women pregnant and they have had abortions. So, you know, you're being very politically correct. And I appreciate that because, again, you know, this shouldn't be about politics, right? Either side. It's not about being a Republican or a Democrat. It's about human rights, as you say, and it's about access to health care. And that needs to be digested by both women and men and boys. And we do not get ourselves pregnant. But, you know, we're the ones who risk our lives, right? If we can't get the the proper care, because guess what? If you want to have an abortion, you're going to find a way to have an abortion. And I really want to talk about that, Melissa, because, you know, we had lunch the other day and you were telling me about how somebody had come into the clinic so frantic in a state where abortion is now illegal and she threatened to throw herself down the stairs. So tell us tell us the human face right now of girls and women in those states and what's going on. Carefam had to recently stop providing abortion care in Tennessee as that state has one of the most atrocious and complete abortion bans in the U.S. right now. What we have found is we have had clients continuing, or potential clients continuing to contact us, some of whom don't know that the law has changed. We know in the U.S. many times people don't really think deeply about abortion until they're faced with one. And so contacting us, assuming because for 50 years it's been an option, that it still is. And so the conversations that we're having with people take them from pre-contemplation, haven't even considered that this could happen to them, to, oh my gosh, I've had a positive pregnancy test. 
this is what I want to do. I want to seek an abortion to us telling them it's no longer legal. And people feel desperate. Um, we've had people who have cried. We've had people who've gotten angry. We've had people who try to bargain with us. Isn't there some way you can still help me? And tell us the devastating stories of their personal history as to why this isn't a time they can continue their pregnancy. And unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do except to provide them with information and oftentimes assistance financially to be able to travel to another state to be seen. And it's, it's not fair. It's disheartening. And for the people whose lives it's impacting, it's tragic. Mm. And my staff has learned to be able to meet each new circumstance each day, talking to clients and not making any assumptions about what they know and what they don't know, because mm. this is still new and still vastly misunderstood across the U.S., now, I'm, I'm going to do a series on this podcast, actually, on this topic, because I just think it is so, so important to, you know, present both sides of the story, right? And, and when you are that person who has uh, needed an abortion and had an abortion, it also has a lot of mental implications. And I'm actually going to have a friend of mine come on the show um, when she was 19, she decided that she was going to have an abortion. And she was either in LA or New York where she got her abortion and I believe went to Planned Parenthood and, and it was, you know, pretty simple. But it's had devastating effects on her. She's never forgotten it. She felt alone when she was doing it. She felt shame, a lot of shame around it. And, you know, she had all sorts of thoughts and still does going through her head of, you know, can I now have children? You know, so I'd like to unpick that a little bit if we can, because I think that's real. And, uh, you know, if I think back to being a 16 year old or a 17 year old and my mother finding my birth control pills uh, in my purse, which I had just started taking secretly because I, you know, at 17, I became sexually active. And, you know, I knew enough, even though I had a Roman Catholic mother uh, who wasn't telling me anything, but I knew enough to take pills to prevent an unwanted pregnancy. But I had the fear of God putting into me by my mother, who was like, if you get pregnant, you will shame the world, you know, the family, our network. Uh, I mean, it was it was very clear. So let's talk about the emotional effects of having an abortion. Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, because we know one in four people in the United States, one in four women at least, will have an unintended pregnancy and choose an abortion. This impacts people of all different backgrounds, all different belief systems. And so while certainly not everyone has an emotional reaction that is long-term or grief-stricken about an abortion, some people actually come in and feel empowered that they've been able to mm -hmm. decide fairly quickly that this isn't what I want to do and have been able to search and find a safe choice to be able to change their path and not have a child when they knew the time wasn't mm -hmm. right. But because in our country particularly and around the world to some degree, there's a great deal of stigma associated with having an abortion and frankly with sex. And so mm -hmm. we oftentimes don't talk openly and honestly about the sexuality and pleasure that people seek in their life. Sex is normal. People have sex. It's a basic human desire. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the idea that you want to have closeness with someone, you want to express that closeness physically, doesn't always connect to the time when I want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. So those things are at odds with one another. 
when we have stigma, meaning that the society, we feel society is judging in a bad way or is casting aspersions about the person who's choosing to have sex or choosing to have an abortion or frankly, choosing to have a baby, that makes the conversation that much more difficult because shame shuts down communication. So that means that we may not be having as open conversations, open and honest conversations with our partner about birth control, about the decision to have sex in the first place, about whether sex is consensual, about what do we want out of a caring relationship that we choose to have sex within. So then when we're facing an unintended pregnancy, if those conversations haven't been had, it can be even more difficult to start a conversation about now, what do I do? There's a pregnancy involved. Is this something that I feel comfortable talking about my feelings and talking about what I want in my life? So if all this shame is on top of this decision and you don't feel like you've had an opportunity to explore how you feel or even what you want and choose to have an abortion, absolutely. Those feelings don't just go away mm. after the abortion. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to get to the bottom of why people have difficult emotional reactions around having an abortion, we really need to attack the idea that it's unacceptable to talk about sex and to talk about pregnancy in a way that's open and honest and caring mm -hmm. because the shame is oftentimes tied to secrecy. Mm -hmm. And so these mm -hmm. things are very complex. Mm -hmm. Once mm -hmm. the abortions already happen, if you're living those feelings, they're very valid. And by sharing them with someone that you trust or going to a professional and talking through the decision-making process and those feelings, they can oftentimes be worked through. But if you're continuing to live in fear and shame and secrecy, it can be much, much harder. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also want to talk about a little bit more about the emotional side effects of once you've had the abortion. And again, I know plenty of women who've had not just one, but a couple of abortions. And before they were married, before they had decided to start their families, they chose to have an abortion. And, you know, they still talk about it years and years later, where, you know, they have those feelings of, you know, have I sinned? Have I really, you know, made the right decision and, and really suffer, actually? Is this something that CARFM does with counseling before they go and actually go through with it? And what tips do you have for people who are, you know, thinking about having an abortion and, and how to get out on the other side safely and well? Absolutely. Well, Carefam talks to each individual as a unique, separate person. And we really make sure to make no judgments ahead of time about what that person may be feeling and allow them to come to the table and express what they need and to open that conversation as one of trust. So that if you are uncertain about whether or not you want to pursue an abortion, or if you are concerned about feelings of pain or sadness or regret or grief, that those are not taboo conversations. Those are conversations that are best had openly and honestly. And while we may start that conversation, we feel that it's very important for people who maybe haven't been able to express their feelings to reach out to a supportive place. So if they have someone in their life that's supportive, a partner, a friend, a mother, those conversations can sometimes start there. But we also work with really good organizations across the U.S. where there are trained people who can help talk through the feelings associated with abortion, validate the fears, and talk about the grief that some people feel and ways to work through that. Medically, 
Carafem can talk about what are the risks associated with an abortion. Mm-hmm. And actually, those risks are very small physically. Yeah. It's very rare that person to have an ongoing physical issue after having an abortion, though oftentimes there's misinformation in this country that make people feel that that might be the case. So that fear we can help to alleviate. Mm. But if it's grief, there is no one right way to feel sad. Whether that is because you've experienced a loss of a spouse, you've experienced a loss of a friend, a family member, or a loss of a pregnancy that you wish had been able to be carried to term. That grief period can take its own time. And it's something that's important that people be able to speak through. It's also, of course, important that if you don't feel huge amounts of grief, that you are one of the people who feel empowered by having the abortion and ready to move on, you shouldn't feel like that's wrong either. It's about meeting the person where they are and giving them this, mm-hmm. the space to respectfully talk through those feelings, normalize them, and to think about what kind of things do you need to go on and have a happy, healthy life after mm-hmm. this experience. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. And, and thank you for the work that you do at CARFM. It feels like very well thought out and it feels like an excellent solution in the times that we live in right now. On that note, let me ask you, in the states that this is now illegal, what would stop somebody getting in touch with CARFM and getting the pills sent to their home and then jumping on with a doctor through the internet for a telehealth consultation. What's to stop anyone doing that? Is that illegal as well? Let's talk about that. So first off, a lot of people don't understand what an abortion would be that wasn't in person, because people oftentimes view the abortion process as being that procedure we talked about. Abortions with pills actually can happen in another way. And telehealth that actually really really exploded during the pandemic for everyone, looked at new ways of connecting people to physicians and receiving care. And abortion is no different. So what can happen with a telehealth abortion in a state where it's legal is that a person can contact, oftentimes through CARIFM, through our website with our medical staff. They can give us an idea of their medical history. They can receive information about how an abortion with pill works. And if they decide that that feels right to them, they can actually receive a private invitation to join in a secure video conference with one of my staff who would go through their medical history, again, talk about the medications, how to use them at home. They would meet with one of our physicians. So a physician would come live into that conversation, allow the patient to ask questions, again, talk about the process and what to expect after and then electronically send pills within any legal state. So whether it's directly to your home or for privacy, we can send it to a Dropbox to have you pick them up. Not everyone lives in a place where they want a package delivered without some privacy. So we work through those things. Then what CARIFM offers at that point is the opportunity to engage with a health assistant. And this is actually a programmed service where we have a virtual assistant. Her name is Kara. And Kara is actually run with technology. So we have programmed Kara to walk people through their entire medication abortion experience at home. So from the pills being delivered, Kara gives updates through secure SMS texting, letting you know your pills have been sent, we're tracking them, this is where they are, uh, verifying when they've been delivered, talking about how to use the pills, because it is a process, it's not just an event. So which pill do you take first? 
how to use pain medication, what to expect. Is there anything you can do to relieve some of the pains? We talk about tips, things that can help that make the experience more comfortable. All the way through then afterwards, making sure that the abortion itself was complete. And then we send things like a pregnancy test through so that you can confirm that the pregnancy's ended. So all of these things can happen in a state where abortion has not been restricted. If you happen to live in a state where abortion is restricted, you have the choice of actually going into a legal state just across the border and receiving that same kind of care, having it sent to a drop box that's on the border of that state, and then using that medication, uh, starting it generally in the legal state, and then finishing it at home, should you choose. Just as you can drive into a state, be seen in a clinic, and do the same thing. This just makes it a little bit more flexible. But what happens if you can't get into a state at all? If you find that you are so unable to travel, whether it's due to finances or just inability to receive transportation, there are choices there too. And one of those choices is to work with one of the many support organizations across our country that can help with very practical support from travel, hotel if necessary, gas money, food, lodging, All of those things can be found. And I really suggest going to a tool like abortionfinder.org. That particular tool is one for any state. You can put in your zip code where you live, and it will tell you the closest place where you can legally receive abortion care and places that will help you financially to be able to achieve it, both with the cost of the procedure and with practical support. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. The last option is... Some people in the U.S. now are actually choosing to self-manage their abortion. And by that, I mean they are actually contacting organizations that might mail pills into a state where abortion is restricted. We don't offer that at Carathon. There are rules and laws and liabilities against abortion providers doing this, but we know it's happening across our country. So going to a webpage like plancorg can tell people who absolutely can't get out of their state and don't feel like they can afford or achieve a medically managed abortion are sometimes choosing this option. And the difference now between what happened before 1973 is that self-managing an abortion with pills, even under the not the best circumstance where you have a medical provider helping you, is still much safer and more effective than what maybe our mothers or grandmothers did before 1973. No coat hangers, everyone. No coat hangers. That's right. Not good. That's right. My last question is about the legal ramifications. So if somebody goes ahead, let's say they get the medical abortion pills through the mail, they go to another state, they come home with the services that you offer with telehealth and the pills, self-induce their own abortion, what are the legal ramifications of that? So they actually go through it all in their state where it's illegal. Do they go to prison? Do they get arrested? What happens? Great question. First of all, it is not illegal in the United States to travel to another state to have an abortion and come home. Just as in some states, it's illegal to gamble, and in others, it's not. If you go outside your state and you go gambling, you don't get arrested for the gambling that happened in that state. So the same is true of an abortion. However, there are some risks associated with potentially obtaining pills and using them, like I talked about, self-managing pills. And there are great organizations that are established to protect people 
who do this. So if someone would find that they have self-managed an abortion in a state where it's restricted and find that they're facing some kind of legal challenge, I recommend an organization called If, When, How. Ifwhenhow.org exists primarily to help people who face legal challenges. Thankfully, this is rare. Honestly, there have been some. And we're concerned, of course, about the future as everyone should be able to make this decision on their own and be free from criminalization. But because some of these states are just so rabidly anti-abortion and because people, primarily people of low income and those with black and brown skin, are oftentimes highly victimized uh, in criminal situations in red states, this organization will help. So it's a great resource. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. remember, it is not illegal to go outside your state to seek care, Mm -hmm. just as with any other service where one state allows and another does not. Melissa, how safe do you feel doing this work? I made a decision over 30 some years ago to be an abortion care provider. So while I'm not a physician, I did make the decision that I wanted to be vocal and wanted to support people who were choosing this option who maybe didn't have a voice. And so it's been really important for me personally to speak openly and honestly and to some degree unapologetically Mm -hmm. about abortion care and the rights that people should have to bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. So I have made decisions and some sacrifices in my own life because I do know that there are people who are violently against the work that I do, but it's worth it. I believe the majority of people actually understand that this is a highly personal and private decision and they need some people to continue to advocate for this. So those of us who do this work tend to be very invested in Mm -hmm. making sure that it continues, even though there can be some personal um, challenges Mm. associated with it. You know, we have a lot of men and boys that listen to the show, Melissa. And, you know, personally, I think the solution here is men and boys. I really do. Whether you're a, a male politician, sexually active male or boy, this is the way that we're going to be able to create effective change. Nobody wants to have an abortion. It affects absolutely everybody, families, women, their partners. It affects absolutely everybody. So prevention, prevention, prevention is key. Finding effective contraception that suits you and educating men and boys. I mean, I Again, what I want to leave you with is we don't get ourselves pregnant. There are two people involved in this. And sadly, it's women who then have to find the solution and risk their health and well-being to have a termination of an unwanted pregnancy. And so, Melissa and Carafam, your wonderful organization, God bless you for the work that you are doing to give women that choice safely. So thrilled to have found you. We are raising money. We want to raise as much money as possible for this issue. And you can read more at uh, tbacollective.org. You can go to Carafem directly. Resources I know will be extremely well spent. Thank you for being on the show, Melissa. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for sharing this with your audience. So important. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. 
We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed dignity kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a dignity kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.